Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. Matthew chapter 16. I want to pick right back up where we left off, just trying to dig deeper into this tributary the Lord has us in. Um, Just to do a little recap. Um, It's hard to recap three hours of teaching, ain't it, in uh, ten minutes. But we talked the first night on... uh, Basically, um, whenever I started preaching this, what was it, last Wednesday night? So we got two messages back there. I think the first one is teach us to pray. I don't know what he titled the next one. Um, I've always prayed that the Lord would bless us, that I could hire someone to just interpret the title of the messages. You know what I'm saying? And so um, uh, they would always ask me, and and, and Matt asked me too, what you going to title it? I said, I don't know, just title it preaching. Um, but uh, I really don't, uh, I don't have a sermon. I have a message, amen. Anybody can preach a sermon, but it's another thing to preach a message. A message is your life. And that's what Jesus fed us with. That's why he was able to break bread. He broke his life and uh, fed it to people, and it sustained them. I believe the Lord, you, we can pass on information, but the only thing that feeds people and the only thing that the anointing rides upon is what you've digested in your life. You with me? You don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to have something digested. Remember the lady that was at the well? She had one message, come come see a man who told me everything, but she had an experience with that man, and that one encounter from that lady uh, changed an entire city. And so, uh, But we're talking on the lines of prayer and um, how to pray and um, I've, I've gleaned a lot from Leonard Ravenhill uh, in my time since being a Christian. He died and went to be with the Lord in 1994. And I watched an interview with him uh, at, at the end of his life. And um, he was talking about prayer. And, um, and he said that he, he did not know very much on prayer. And I'm thinking, my God, I mean, leaders from all over the world glean from you about prayer. And um, he said it's so, it's so deep that no one can explain it, yet it's so simple anyone can do it. And so, uh, but we, we want to dig back into that. Also, I want to tell you that um, I heard back today, I have had this, uh, this minister on my heart for about two months. And um, how many members when I preach on uh, baptism of the Holy Ghost or I'm preaching fire or whatever, uh, I tell the story of the encounter I had with the Lord in 1998 in the church where the woman grabbed me by the arm or whatever, and the man of God prophesied over me. Um. He's gone on from that small town. He's actually in, uh, he, he lives in Gray, Georgia. He's, he's ministering in Macon. He has the, um, the fastest, largest, uh, I guess the fastest growing church in middle Georgia, just really shaking that city for the glory of God. And I uh, have not heard him preaching. Um, I guess my last time with him, he and I preached a funeral about seven years ago, and that's the last time I saw him and just every time I would go to prayer over here he would just build my heart he build my heart sometime when I lay down at night and so um I decided I would give him a call and so uh one thing about uh larger ministries or whatever you just can't get the man you know what I'm saying so bless God y'all can get me on my cell phone I'm accessible but man I had a ring around the roses get and he didn't return my phone call for a week and I told my wife I said you know if he's supposed to come God will just speak to him or whatever he don't even remember who I am and so finally, uh, his executive, uh, uh, I guess whatever executive, some kind of something called me. And, uh, and so uh, I didn't even call him pastor. I called him by his name. Might have offended him. I don't know. Uh, people I hang out with is called John, Tim, and Joe, and all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, but anyhow, um, so I called him by his name. And so uh, she said, you know, tell me who you are or whatever. I said, you just tell him this. I said, tell him I'm the big boy from Alma with fire. And tell him I want him to come. And so anyhow, she called me back today. Said he did remember you. And so, uh, um, but anyhow, so I told him I wanted him to come before Thanksgiving. So he's going to be here on November the 15th, uh, Sunday night. Somebody say, Al. Yes, we're going old school and going to have Sunday night church. How many members of Sunday night church? It was good. If you was in the denomination, listen to me. The, the shouters was, you know, Jesus, when he showed up at Jairus' house, he had to run half of them out. You know what I'm saying? We always said that the doubters was gone on Sunday night and the shouters was in there. Glory to God. We had some power fall on Sunday night. 
And uh, but so we're gonna have a Sunday night service, and I do want to tell you this, and I'm I'm not joking. I'm serious about this. Um, I I really hang out with the Lord a lot today. Um, basically all day except I told uh, Terry earlier I took when I had to set my scope in. I haven't killed a deer in about three years, and Grant's taunt me a little bit, so I'm gonna lay old Do Rain down there in Thanksgiving. So I had to make sure my gun was on, and so I got out and took me about five shots, and uh, you know, and I had it to where it was hit the finishing nail at 150 yards. Lord forgive me, <laughs> but anyhow, how <laughs> I many knows that's a shot? It hit a finishing nail at 150 yards. I was just seeing if you were listening, but um. Man, at one point, I felt like the Lord, I mean, he came with me so strong that I felt like he was fixing to consume me. And I felt like the Lord told me, and we're going we're gonna to test him on this. I felt like the Lord said the same fire that came upon me in 1998 would be present that Sunday night. And so I'm just telling you that uh, I feel the Lord just come on me right there when I said it. So I'm just telling you, if you hunger for the Lord, listen, I'm, I'm going to have some people in here. I got some people that's going to drive. I text this one person that uh, I, I'm just uh, friends with, and uh, I guess I'm still the pastor or whatever. And I text she, and she texts me right back. And she said, I cannot believe that. She said, I just asked uh, my husband about, she said, you know, you know, where did he even get off to or whatever? And then, so we're going to have him here. So Pastor Bo Turner, Real Life Church. Be here. How many knows Crystal Fuller? She received the baptism of the Holy Ghost underneath his ministry. So he was, uh, and you see how crazy Crystal is. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you don't want it. No, I'm playing. We'll edit that out of the CD where she didn't hear that, okay? All right. We're going to talk about binding and loosing. How many's ready to bind something? I believe in binding and loosing. (laughs) Cleve, you'll take this, you'll take this people to war. (laughs) <laughs> Got Barney's out here with one bullet. <laughs> Let's go. Get your boots strapped up. Come on now. We got about, uh, since Matt sang for an hour, we got about 30 minutes. I had to get with him tomorrow and tell him etiquette on Wednesday nights. No, I'm playing. All right, Matthew 16. You there? If you ain't found it by now, you're probably not going to find it. Just trust that I'm reading to you out of the Bible. Listen to this, Matthew 16 and verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let's read it again. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. All right, Lord, help me. Help me preach good for the next 30 minutes. Listen to this. I just wrote a bunch of stuff down, okay? Um, I stayed on the computer all day. Demonic principalities can hinder us as they did Daniel. They can hinder. Are you with me now? They can hinder the work of God. They can hinder what we're trying to do in the city. How many believes that God's just not going to... I mean, it's just crazy to believe that the Lord's going to just show up one day here. How many believe it's crazy that God... Now, God can supernaturally, sovereignly come and just show up like He did on Saul of Tarsus. But I guarantee you this. Somewhere in the line, somebody prayed Him through. Every one of us in here been prayed into the kingdom. So they can hinder us. But we know that because the Bible says that they hindered Daniel. But listen to this. I wrote this down too. Sins and the sinfulness of the people that cause our churches to become stagnant and spiritually impotent. I'm just in this vein about the responsibility, how we live and steward our life of what it's really costing us. Now listen to this. Matthew 16, 19 says, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now we know, if you've been tracking with me the last three weeks, we are called to do warfare, and I'm going to preach a message Sunday that we'll all probably be butting chests in here. I was anyhow. 
I about tore the furniture down today, you know what I'm saying? But I'm going to preach a message titled The Prayer Warrior. We're called to do war. We're called to war, not with just one rifle with a whole armor. Are you with me? And we're going to go through that. I've never really preached on the armor of God, but I'm going to just use a few pieces and on talk about uh, the stance and the position we are in warfare and all of that. But what we're not called to do is to come against these principalities and these powers in the heavenlies over geographical locations. And they are some. Are you with me now? We could say tonight that there's probably some stuff looming in the heavens over this community that is preventing breakthrough. But we've, we've also discussed that if we, if we don't live a lifestyle of holiness, they have legal access to hang here. So, and we learned last, we learned Sunday, the, the whole thing that I've tried to preach Sunday was man has never cleansed the land through binding and loosing. What he has cleansed the land through is through repentance. When we repent on behalf of what's hanging over our communities, when we repent on behalf of our sins and the sins of what's already been done here. All right, I'm just trying to plow a little deep right here. I'm going to get to some good stuff in a minute. Listen to this. Keys unlock doors of power and authority. Now I want you to look at something in Ephesians 4. Now we know this according to when Jesus showed up on the scene, when Jesus appeared, the devil is the one that had the deed to the earth. You agree with me? Thank you, Brother Terry. Help me out. The devil had the deed, right? We ain't got to go through all of that. How many knows that Adam lost it in the garden, right? When Adam and Eve sinned, a whole lot of stuff happened right then at that moment. The earth actually went into chaos at that moment. Eden was over with. Man has sinned. Everything he touched began to die. He himself began to die. And, and, and he turned the deed over. Now Satan had the authority and the power on the earth. Okay? Now notice this right here. I want to read you a verse of scripture right here. Now keys unlock doors of, of power and authority. But listen to this. This is just good to me this week. Ephesians 4. Um, I wrote that down wrong, didn't I? Am I in the book? Of, I, my contacts is so messed up I can't even look right here. I am not in, I'm in the book of Philippians. No wonder. I mean, my Jesus, help me. Anybody got some contact solution? I need it right now. Listen to this in verse 8. Therefore, Ephesians 4, verse 8. Therefore, when he said, he, when, when he ascended on high, he led, led captivity captive. And he gave gifts to men. This is talking about where Jesus went and got the keys. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. So where did Jesus get the keys? He didn't ascend to heaven to get the keys. He went to hell to get the keys. Because the devil had the keys to death, hell, in the grave and all the power and all the authority on the earth, the enemy had it. Now, another thing that God spoke to him in this, if we want to have great realms of power and authority, we first also must descend in humility. Gosh, that's good. If the way of ascension in the kingdom is descension. When you descend, when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, He will exalt us in due season. The reason why we've not been exalted as a church is because we've not humbled ourselves yet under the mighty hand of God. Now, Jesus descended into Hades. He preached to the spirits there. He reclaimed the keys and He brought them out. Now, Revelation 1.18, let, let me just read these scriptures. It says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. So Jesus got the keys of Hades and death. Listen to this. This is a powerful verse of scripture right here. Isaiah 22.22, 22, the key of the house of David, I will lay on his shoulders so that he shall open and no one shut, and he shall shut up and no one shall open. That is a powerful key. That key of David is the key of praise and worship. Listen, when we praise God, he opens up a whole lot more than what we do in binding and loosening. I remember listening to Dutch Sheets. This was several years ago. This was, I think, the first time that... Um, in the, when Obama went into office, he was discouraged. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of Christians, sad to say, but they believe the Republican Party can save the nation. They cannot save the nation. Only God can save the nation. 
Hello. And if we don't turn from our wicked ways, we're going to get worse rulers than ever before in the nation till we start crying out. Hello. I feel the Holy Ghost right there on that. Help me, Jesus. So Dutch, she's, he's discouraged. Well, anyhow, God tells him to go to the capital. And he tells him to walk in prayer. And, he, and this is what, he, he begins to argue with the Lord. And he said, Lord, we have been praying and nothing's happening. And, and so he just kind of felt like, he said, I feel like everything I'm doing, nothing's happening. We're not getting any breakthrough. I mean, nothing's happening hardly politically. We're not getting any breakthrough. And so he gets out there and, and, and he just sits there for a long time. And then finally, he moves to the place that God told him to. And he said he got to the place that God told him to. He said there, there was a young woman there all wrapped. It was cold. She was wrapped up and she, she had a stroller and she had the baby all wrapped up or whatever. And she, when she saw him, she said, I don't know who you are, sir, but God woke me up in the middle of the night with a dream and said that there would be a man that would be here this morning that is discouraged. But God said to tell you that he has given you the key of David. And God spoke to Dutch and said, don't wait, don't make me bring mama and the baby out here in the cold to get you to do what I told you to do. This is a powerful key to the church. I believe this, it is impossible for us to praise God and nothing happen in the city outside of this building. When we lift him up, he will draw all people unto himself. He's not just drawing people in this room, he's drawing things in the unseen realm to himself outside the walls of this church. Now, praise is a powerful thing. It opens doors. I've seen things in my life not change until I begin to praise the Lord. I've had situations in my life, and when we started praising God, it's amazing what kind of doors open. That man said would never open. When you begin to praise God, the Bible says that key opens doors that no man can open, and it shuts doors that no man can shut. It will shut the doors of depression, and it will open the doors of joy when we begin to worship and praise God. It is far more greater key than binding and loosing demons and spirits. I'm sorry for hollering. I have to. All right. Revelation 3, 7, And the angel of the church at Philadelphia write these things, says, He who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David and shuts and not one opens. This is a powerful key, church. In Bible times, the father or the leader of the home carried large keys on his side that unlocked storehouses within his authority. Near his passing, he would call his eldest son and lay the keys upon his shoulders, signifying the authority had transferred to him. Now, let's look at this. Jesus went to, to Hades, got the keys, reclaimed the title. Now, when he left the earth, he didn't leave holding the keys in his hand. He transferred the keys to his disciples. They, in turn, transferred them to us. You and I have real set of keys tonight. You got authority. I, listen to me. I got a te- somebody texted me this before church about a spirit manifesting in their that started manifesting in their room or whatever. Wake them up at night, and they've been in such terrifying fear about the about this going on or whatever. Let me say this, and I'm gonna talk with them just as soon as I can get in the truck after service. I'm gonna call if they would stand up. And use the authority given to them by Jesus Christ. That thing would never manifest itself again. It's just like a dog. If a dog senses you're afraid, he'll bite you. Fear empowers that thing. Why does it keep showing up? Because they, it knows that she's afraid of it. But if she stands up and says this, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Flee from me. That thing won't come back. Hello. We got to teach this stuff to our kids. I can go in there at night and beat the boogeyman down for John Bentley. Are you with me now? But he's got to learn how to take the weapons and use them himself. All right. 
So this keys, th- these keys were laid upon the shoulder and it was a sign that the authority now was transferring to a- another generation. All right. Listen to this. Some believe that if you bind on earth, it will be bound in heaven. This is because the King James renders a poor translation of the verse. In theology, it's a, it's a, it's a word I can't even pronounce. It's a paraphrastic tense or something like that. But it is, what is literally, this is how it literally reads in the Greek. Whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound. Whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. I want to stay right here just for a minute, okay? Now, I was talking with, I think it was Miss Aline the other, she was telling me about a church that was vibrant or whatever, growing church, like the one I mentioned or whatever. And she said, you know what, come to think of it, I remember they did a lot of warring, a lot of warring. And she said, that church doesn't even exist today. So I'm telling you, this is a powerful truth I'm preaching to you. Now, How did Jesus have the authority that he had while he walked on the earth? Now, first of all, let's say this. We know Jesus was fully God, but yet he yielded himself and became a man. So everything Jesus did in the Gospels, he did not do as God. He did as man. Please help us agree with that tonight. If he did it as God, he has no right to tell me in John 14, 12, the works that you see me do, greater shall you do. I can't do the works if he did it as God, but if he did it, as a man yielded under the Holy Ghost of heaven, then I have the same access now. Jesus had no sin. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I have no sin. What separates Jesus from us is he was 100% yielded to God. Now, let's, take, let's, let's, let's look at this. If I bind on the earth, it has to already be bound in heaven. So other words, listen to this. God is binding and loosening stuff right now. Let me, let me just read this to you. Right here. If it, if it, if it, this ties it back into what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6. Let me just say this. It's first bound there, then I bind here. That's why in Matthew 6, when he's teaching on prayer, he said, Thy kingdom come from there. Here as it is there. What I'm doing there, I want to be doing here. Now listen to this. This is how you got to see. This is how when Jesus walked by the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5, he had already saw before he got there, either in prayer, in a vision, or by dream, God loosen a man by the pool. So when he came to the pool, he saw a paralytic there who was 38 years old. He begins to carry on a conversation with the man. Are you with me now? And the man says, I don't have no one to put me in the water for at certain times an angel. How many knows that's in the King James? Y'all stay with me. I'm in John chapter 5. Okay. Listen, how many knows in John chapter 5 says the healing at the pool of Bethesda having four Porticos is what the King James rendered. Porches, New King James, has five porches. That is a picture of the fivefold of God giving oversight and care for the people of God. Are you with me now? There was a pool there of Bethesda, and the King James rendered at a certain time an angel would come down and stir the waters. That was never in the original Greek. That was added by the King James commentators so we could get an idea why a great number of sick folk is at this pool. If you have a New King James version, look over there. It says, in you amidst... These certain verses. They were never in the original Greek. There was no angel coming down, stirring the water. <laughs> it's quiet up in here. Oh, let me get back to safety. All right, let me just jump back to safety. All right, so Jesus comes by this pool, and he has already seen his father. Listen, he said this. He said, the Son of Man has no what power on his own. He said, I can do nothing, what, on my own. You and I can do nothing on our own. Only that what which I see the Father do. Whatever I see the Father do, that's what I do. Listen, how many knows that the the reason why we don't have power is because we won't tarry long enough to get the counsel of God. The counsel always releases might. That's why Isaiah said, he shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God. God, I feel the Holy 
Ghost. Maybe it's just me. Listen, my counsel always releases might. Wisdom is in counsel. And it releases power. Jesus has the counsel of God. Now, he's been in prayer. He sees God touching a man, a paraplegic. Now, all he's got to do is have his eyes scanning the pool of Bethesda. He carries on the conversation. He tells the man, you don't, do you want to, do you want to be healed? Well, I ain't got nobody. No, do you want to be healed? He looses the man that he saw God loosen in heaven. Sets him free, says, take up thy bed and walk. Now, if that would have happened in modern day times, right now, uh, most of the church would be critical of the other ones that, why did the preacher just go get the one? Because that's the one he saw his father loosening. Listen to me. It's one thing to know that the Holy Ghost is in the room. It's another thing to know what he's in the room for. In Luke chapter 5, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord was present. We always feel Him when He's present, but when He's present, He desires to do something at that moment. Someone holds a key to unlock that door. It could be a testimony. It could be somebody obeying the Lord in worship, getting out doing a dance. It could be a flag that's won. It could be a prayer that needs to be prayed, but someone holds the key. And let me tell you this, I found a lot of times, it's not always the preacher that's got the key. It's someone that don't normally do nothing but the power of God is all over them and if they'll obey him at that moment it'll unlock the presence of the Lord deeper in that room. So the spirit of the Lord was there. Notice Jesus this. He didn't just say the spirit of the Lord was there. He said the spirit of the Lord was there to heal. Sometimes God comes in the room for deliverance. Sometimes he comes for healing. All right. So our job, our position in prayer is to see what the Lord is doing. When we see what God is doing, then we begin to focus our attention on what he's doing. I had this dream one night, and in this dream, there was an elderly man. He was in jeans and a white v-neck. Um, that was a different dream. Hold on. Thank you, Lord. I'm getting on. I had a bunch of dreams. Listen to this. So I have a dream that I'm watching this man preach the gospel. I'm observing him how he's doing his altar service. All of a sudden, I mean, a person will come down with a certain need. He looks at the congregation, and he points at that one. He says, come pray for them. And when they come down and pray for them, instantly, whatever they need was met. Another one come up with a need. He would scan the, he would scan the congregation. He said, you, come pray for them. And immediately the need was met. And in the dream, I carried on the conversation with him at the end. I said, how... I mean, how do you know who to call on to pray for who? I mean, are these, are these people that are trained altar workers in the congregation? He looked at me and said, it's simple. I use who the Spirit's resting on. Listen, it's not rocket science. If I'm up here preaching and I see someone just doubled over, I mean, hello, that's God on a person. If I see that one doubled over and this one trimming fingernails, I'm going with the one doubled over. The Spirit's on them. Listen to this. Binding means to prohibit or to forbid. Loosening means to allow. We watch what Father God is doing, then bind or loose what He has already bound and loose. Listen to this. Our actions and how we live determine what God binds or loosens over our cities. Church full of sin, a lot of binding going on. Man, I don't really like to hear that preacher. I don't either. But I thought, I thought, man, you know, I thought I watched the preacher on TV and he said Jesus paid it all and now I don't really have to do nothing. I just have to sit back and ride this thing out called church. He that hath begun a good work in me, he shall complete it unto the day of end. Listen, there's a lot to do on your part. The Bible says the bride makes herself ready. It didn't say she waits in the bus till he comes gets her. It says she makes herself ready. I have to put myself on the cross. And make a choice to choose this thing. Are you with me now? So our actions determine a lot whether what's bound or loosed of our cities. 
Look at, go to Mark chapter 4. I'm almost done right here. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now he's trying to take them to another level, another place. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boats as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already filling. How many knows they in the storm right here? This is not a God sent storm. Are you with me? This is not God sent. This is the devil beating them up at sea. He's trying to kill Jesus and he's trying to kill the disciples in the boat. Okay? When you and I enter in the storm, what's the first thing we won't start doing is binding the devil? Come on. Am I the only one in the room that's that? I bind the fire out you, devil. Has anybody ever did that when you get in the storm? They're in a storm. They're t- he's trying to kill Jesus and he's trying to kill the disciples. Now, Jesus is in the bow of the boat and he's got his head on the pillow and he's asleep. The disciples are being tossed, probably thrown from one side of the boat to the other. I've been out 40, 50 miles and it get a little rough and get a little worried. Is anybody else? They're getting thrown around in the boat and they're screaming. They wake Jesus up. And their first question, they say, you don't care we're going to die? Now, Jesus wakes up. He realized they're under demonic attack. This didn't come from God. If it came from God, he wouldn't rebuke the Father. So it came from the devil. Principalities and powers are at work here trying to drown the Son of God and his disciples at sea. For surely now Jesus is fixing to start binding whatever's causing the storm. Jesus never spoke to any power nor the devil or the principality. What did he speak to? What he had authority over. You got to see this. It's a good nugget, I promise you. He spoke to what he had authority over, which was what? The earth, the wind, and the sea. God, this is... You are, what I'm trying to listen to me. When Jesus reclaimed the keys, he restored us back to the original Adam. You and I have authority over everything in the earth. Why did Daniel stay in a lion's den and the lions didn't eat him? Because he had authority over the lion. Whew, my God. Mm. Lord Jesus. He had authority over the line and he commanded the line, sit down till God comes through. He had authority over the animals. Well, I was over in, uh, where was I at? Monday, Patterson. And we was working on some high line structures and they come out in town and I got out of the truck and I mean, got at the back of my truck and I was looking at this power pole and a big old German shepherd was coming and boy, his hair was raised. I told the boy that was with me, I said, he had a, a, about a $6,000 piece of electrical equipment. I said, bust it over that dog's head. I mean, he's fit to get us. I didn't have revelation of this. I should have said, sit down and shut up until God comes through. <laughs> but Jesus spoke to what he had authority over is the earthly realm. Now listen to this. You don't realize how much, we got a lot of power and we're using it. Listen to me. I remember this was, um, I used to read, and he's a good read too, uh, John and Paula Sanford. And he was up in the northeast part of the United States. And he was in prayer or whatever, and he, he just said that God just highlighted him to him, just the, the trees were weeping and just the land. He said he could hear the land just crying out under severe drought. And the Lord spoke to him and he said, tell the people to quit binding the hurricane. (laughs) 
And so he began to meet with these leaders, and he said, well, this is what all, uh, he said, all we know is a hurricane's coming up, so we start binding the hurricane, telling it don't come ashore. He said, what you need to do is ask God, is this the storm that needs to bring, that's supposed to bring the needed rain to protect the land, or should we bind it to send it back out? But because you have bound the storms, what you have done is cursed the land through severe drought. You and I have power and authority in this realm. Anytime that spirit breaks rank and gets on our turf, we got authority over it. Are you with me? Now, Jesus did not speak. He did not. He, when they woke him up in the boat, he didn't say, my God, you, you, you spirit of whoremonger, I bind you right now. He didn't do none of that. Satan has power. Are you with me now? And he had authority, but there was a greater voice of authority. And when the Son of God opened his mouth, creation began to respond because that was God speaking to it on the earth. Are you with me? I'm almost done right here. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Listen to this. To paraphrase, Jesus said, he had regained all earthly authority and whatever mankind needed to subdue the earth, which was lost in the fall, Jesus restored to us. We've been restored back like the first Adam. Now, I'm going to finish with this right here. Because I was into this right here at one time. And I know some people who still are. How many of you ever heard this? Like the prophecies out California is going to break off and go in the ocean. Them prophecies didn't make it A-L. I mean, come on. Haven't you heard that? Now, let me just ask you something. I'm going to ask you this. In an old covenant, in the old covenant, if God couldn't destroy the city until he got his people out of there, what makes us think he's going to destroy a city today? Jack Hayford, the pastor's pastors in California. Bill Johnson is in California. Che Hans in California. And the list goes on and on. Now, it doesn't take rocket science. When you, how many ever been on a road trip? You can feel different cities have different feelings. When you're traveling, don't they? A lot of times you can feel the darkness in a city when you ride through it. And so a lot of times, this was really big um, um, at the end of the 90s and the early 2000s because of the books that were written. A lot of people wanted to find out what was hanging over the city. What's the, what's the dominant deal hanging over Cook County? That's, you know, what's, what, what is it? Listen, I believe that really is a perverted way to focus our attention because what the enemy wants is us to focus his, our attention on him. Are you with me now? Who cares what the devil's doing over Cook County? I'm sorry you worried about it. I said, who cares what he... Our concern is what God is doing over the community. So what we want to find a position in prayer to find out the heart of the Lord. What are you doing and what are you saying about this community? Because my position in prayer is I don't give a hill of beans what the enemy's doing because greater is the plans of God. Are you with me now? And so my job as an intercessor is to pray what the heart of God is into being in this community. The only way the enemy can carry out his plans is the church stop praying. Let's, um, let me just, because Matt was up there trying to prophesy a river. When, when, and I appreciate it because you got to prophesy the river before you ever walk in the river. Are you with me? When Elijah was on, on the side of the hill and he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Where did he hear the sound? Remember, it's drought for three and a half years. 
He tells his servant, get up and go tell Ahab, prepare the chariot and the horses. I'm telling you, there's a flood coming. Y'all with me right here? We're fit to get the grits and eggs in just a second. (laughs) Where did he hear the sound? He heard the sound in him. How do I know revival is coming to this church? Because I can hear the sound in me. How do you know revival's coming to your house, Kim Baldwin? Because you should hear the sound in you. He heard the sound in here. Then he goes and he gets down in a birthing position. Because I'm fixing to cause what I hear in here to come out into here. In the earth. This is prayer. Prayer, I get in between the problem and hook to the answer and I put a bridge to it. Every time we meet on Tuesday, what we are doing is drawing a bullseye over this community saying, come right here. Operation Dumbo Drop. Here. So he gets down and he starts praying and he begins to he begins to groan and he he's praying and he tells the servant, go tell me what you see. I don't see nothing. A lot of times, and I'm guilty because I see nothing at the beginning, we stop in the process. This is why God is trying to give us endurance. When you read Ephesians 6, and we're going to preach it Sunday, he said that you may be able to withstand. That word withstand is a long attack. Most people can't take 30 minutes. How many's ever seen the movie Hearts War? Bruce Willis. Only a few of y'all. Hearts War. I like some war movies. You can't watch them with your kids because you know the language or whatever. But if you put a little box on there, you know you won't even hear it. It'll be just silence. No. (laughs) In the movie's Heart's War, they're captured as POWs. Bruce Willis is hard. And then what is it? Colin Farrell's in the movie, right? Is that right? He was a rich little boy that got promoted because of his family status to like a captain or lieutenant or something like that in the army. And when they were captured or whatever, he come in and they had to go in there and they interrogated him to find out where the troops was. Well, they interrogated Hart and he made it through the whole thing. He never caved in. And the other one told him, he, he asked him questions. He said he made it through the whole thing. The first one, he didn't even make it through the first set of interrogations and he caved in. This is how our position is in prayer. Let's be honest. I'm, I'm guilty, okay? We pray and, and, and because we don't see it, because we see all the empty chairs tonight, we say, man, come on. Are you kidding me? Revival's coming. Yeah, I'm, I'm hungry for God now, more now than I've ever been in my life. Are you with me? So the servant comes. I don't see anything. He stays his position in prayer. Listen, one of the reasons why we get revival, but we can't sustain revival, because once we get in revival, we stop doing what we did to get revival. you got to stay the process. All right? After seven times, look at this. After seven times, he gets up and he says, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. That's all it was. Little old bitty cloud. He jumps up, girds himself, outruns a chariot of horses for over 17 miles back to Jezreel. How many knows that's the anointing on a man? <laughs> if we ran for 17 miles, outrunning chairs of horses, I'd probably see y'all on the other side. <laughs> Are you with me? That small cloud was enough that he believed that the flood was in that cloud. The small cloud that we're producing in prayer will eventually form the big cloud. Are you with me now? Our job is not to figure out what kind of demon is hiding in the corner of this city. 
Our job is to find out what's the heart of God on this city. And then you begin to pull it back to its destiny. The whole deal when Lou Engle went out to San Francisco, where tremendous homosexual movement and all of that in San Francisco, he goes back and he begins to repent of that and he begins to call it back to its destiny. Are you with me? I believe that it's, I, I just, this is what I told uh, Terry and I were talking before church. I don't believe it's no coincidence that we go back to that old building right out there. That's where we're praying. She's quiet, boy. Hard to make these people bleed. A thumbnail ring. But we go back and say, God, would you, would you come? Would you come one more time? 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 My job is to stay in that birthing position until I see something begin to change and something begin to shift on the earth. Are you with me? I believe that prayer really does change things. Are you with me? I believe if we'll stay in that position, we'll start to see things shift in the school system. You'll start seeing it shift in the minds of the people. Because whatever spirits are hanging over a city... And we'll get into this Sunday where Paul warned us over and over in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, for you do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's where we as the church messed up. We always want to turn it to people. We're not wrestling against the people. If you think you're wrestling a person, you can't have love and compassion for the person that you're trying to minister to. And if you don't have love and compassion for them, you can never set them free. But realizing they're influenced by a spirit, you can still love the person. But you got to deal with that demon with me and so as we begin to pray and we begin to stay in that place of prayer what happens is the minds of the people begin to shift are you with me Lou Engle and what uh Amanda and them up there and what's happened is America's changing their minds about abortion are you with me they're changing their minds about abortion when we had a predominant group of people that said there's no, there's no, absolutely no life at all, there's nothing, there, there ain't no, now all of a sudden starting to realize that thing's a life. And the minds of the people are changing. What is happening? Let me, what is happening is as the people are pressing into prayer and holiness, is, God is starting to bind that spirit over this, over this country and the minds of the people are being freed out from under that spirit. And when we come out from under that spirit and we think clearly, holy smokes, we're killing babies. And we're paying homage. That is one of the homages that were paid to Jezebel was human life. And we're paying homage to that spirit every day in this country. But one day it will be stopped in this country. How do I know? Because the prayers are going up. Your prayers ascend to heaven and they're collected in vials. How do I know that? Because in Acts chapter 10, he told Cornelius, your prayers have come before a memorial. One day they will be the final teenager with the, with the tape around their mouth to say the last prayer and that'll be stopped in this country. At one of those houses, there was a kid there that had been on a Daniel fast for two years. Two years he had been fasting. No meat, water, and no sweets. And he told the Lord, this is what he told the Lord. He said, God, I'm fishing to break this fast. Number one, I don't believe, I'm just, I'm sitting there doing out meat and sweets. I can handle the sweets, but my God, give up some, some pork sausage. <laughs> Lord, don't even, geez, you know, a chicken. I mean, a man's supper to lamb, you know. So anyhow, so this kid, he's going to break his fast. And, and so uh, he said, God, I just don't believe in doing anything. So anyhow, they, they change out students or whatever. And so anyhow, this new guy comes in to the house. And he, but he told the Lord this. He said, God, if, if you'll show me that what I'm doing is making a difference, I won't eat no more. I, I, I'll, stay the day, I'll stay the course. The new guy comes in. He holds his hand out to shake his hand. The guy introduces it. He said, hey, my name is Daniel Fast. Those kids are changing the mindset of America. And what I'm telling you, we can change the mindset of this people, not by binding and loosening in the heavens, but by staying humble before God, saying, God, would you please come to this community? Please turn things around. Are you with me now?
And I begin to position myself like Elijah and I cause the rain to come. You can actually cause a storm of rain to come in that school just for what resides in you. You can birth it in there. Are you with me? You can do it. We can birth a move of God in this place that will forever change the landscape of this community. When I come on the way to church, something must have been happening on 75. Do you see all the traffic going down 41? Bad wreck on 75. Okay. So I was going and Nicole was the first one. She ain't been here. She ain't been a part of this church, not even a whole year yet. And so she, she said, when I saw the traffic backed up, she said, I was reminded of the word. How many members the word that traffic would be backed up? Huh? Oh, Give me four, God, that believe and I can make it. Daniel Fast. I'm done right here. Listen to this. About this abortion thing. There was a prophecy also given from those houses of prayer that said it would begin with the house of who? What? The house of who? All of a sudden, Hollywood creates the movie from Dr. Seuss's book, Horton Hears a Who. And what was the movie about? The elephant had a big ear and he could hear the voice and a voice is a, 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 voice, is a voice no matter how small. And the elephant had a long trumpet. That is a picture of the prophetic trump, uh, church with an ear to hear and a trumpet to release it. And all of a sudden, America saw on the screen, hey, a voice is a voice no matter how small. It don't matter if it's six weeks in a mother's womb. It's still alive. And America is changing tonight. Why? Because of prayer. Not because of students binding and loosing, but because they're on the streets of Washington, D.C. saying, God, forgive us. Please heal our land, God. Stop this in America. And God is binding that spirit over this nation and the people's minds are not under its influence anymore. We're not in a move of God. Listen, we're not in revival as long as we're having meetings. Revival must penetrate the walls of the church, reach to the highest of society, and begin to change it at that level. We will never change this city till we get in the minds of the leaders of the city. I'm done, but how we've tried to do it is we've tried to go down there like big shot preachers in three-piece suits and leather-bottom shoes. They're sick of that kind of stuff. What they want to see is the common man that's got a real passionate relationship with Jesus Christ and show them how to live the the real life and how to overcome the real issues in their life. Are you with me? That's it. And when we learn how to serve a society without an agenda to get something from them, reason why we can't win the loss because we like trophies. We kill big deer. We put them on the back of our truck, drive them through the city, take pictures with them, put them on the Facebook. I'm, I, man, if I kill a big deer, he'll be on the hood. I ain't going to put him on the back. I'll put him on the hood. If I can hold on to his horns while I'm driving down the road. I've killed a few bigs. I rode them around town. Up there at McDonald's, ordered my deer be stiff. We trying to skin him. We rode him everywhere. Now say y'all ain't done it. But we do the loss the same way. When we get somebody that's known in town to be a drunk or something, we parade them up there on the stage, snatch him around, parade him around, look at what we caught. Do we not? And then we push them up there and try to make them give their testimony in five days and wonder why the devil attacks them and slays them before we can even get them halfway in there. I'm done. I'm done right here. It's my last thing. I'm not kidding, Mr. Tom. This is it. I'm closing. This is it. it we coming down right here. You better buckle your seat back. We're going to hit so hard and throw you out the chair. There's a scripture. Listen to me. There's a scripture that has shaken me for about 10 days now. And it's found, I think, in the book of Exodus. Where God told Moses, you will not inherit the land in one year. You will inherit it little by little. He said, lest you drive them out, lest you drive all your enemies out, and you're not multiplied enough to inhabit the land. Listen to me. That was the wisdom of God 
allowing those things to live with them until they got big enough to fill that whole land. So little by little, as listen to me, we will gain the ground as we're able to stand in the ground. As we're mature enough to handle it, He releases it. We want it to overnight. God throat, could you bring us the revival in the microwave? No, He will not. He brings you the handful of seed, so get out and till the ground. Steward it. Get out and pull the weeds from it. And if you steward it, you'll have you one heck of a harvest to jump in. Another thing, the reason why he told them not that he's going to drive them out, you're not going to drive them out at once. Because if you drive all the devils out of this city, listen to me, and the church is not at a place to occupy, I'm not talking about ruling and reigning and uh, governing over people. For heaven's sake, we do not need most of the church in charge of the city. If we do, I'm leaving. Bill Johnson said this. He said, let the, average, let, let the average church board in America govern or become CEOs of our corporations in America for six months and they'll be bankrupt. Come on. We don't like to hear these things. But listen, if you drive them all out, we get it all cleaned up tonight and the church is not at a place mature enough to handle the land which we've taken what will happen is seven times more worse spirits will come and take up in that place. And it's going to be more difficult for us to drive them out. So little by little, we'll inherit it. The keys is this, staying low to the ground in humility. When we smell pride, we kill it in each other. If, the, if there's 700 people in this building and they're going after God... And they hanging from the rooftops up there. We still pray in desperation like there's three in the building. Are you with me? That's good preaching, but it's hard to stay on the track. And that's how we sustain it. We don't worry about what the devil's doing over Adel. We worry about what God's doing and we call forth what he's doing. We try to peer into that realm and see. I just prayed this, I prayed this this morning. I said, God, help me see what, you, what are you doing right now. I want to know what's on your heart right now. Where do I see God moving? I see him moving on Tuesday mornings in that building over there. It didn't take me but, but 10 seconds when I was in that building Tuesday morning. I was crying. Was you, was you weeping over there, Mr. Billy? I heard him. He was, he was repenting down there left and right, but I was praying in the heavens. Now I'm playing. <laughs> so that's the focus. That's what we got to focus on. Okay? You got me? Father, I thank you for this great group of people tonight. Mary and I come out of that building praying about the schools. Something will shift in the school system. I promise you. It will shift. It will change. I ain't going to set up no gay clubs in these schools. I don't care what they got set up now. I'm telling you what God's going to set up. God's going to set up a camp of holiness down in the school. I believe the head football player can stand up and preach a message about holiness and purity. Come on now. I've seen it happen. When I was 19 years old, we ran a revival at a church called Old Pine Grove in Alma. It's the exact church that I told you that they had to call the law to, that the man got you know, pulled out the pocket knives and men got beat down out there. Older gentleman got beat up real bad, had to take off in the ambulance. We ran a revival in that church. It's an old wood frame church. Had an old piano in there. We had about six hymnals stacked up in the piano with the face lifted up with a microphone thrown in there so we could hear the praise and worship. Had 30-something kids saved that week. They put marijuana in the plate. Cigarettes in the plate. That's a move of God. We sold the dope and gave no I'm playing. <laughs> I better quit. <laughs> hey Lord. <laughs> See, it ain't anointing no more. Break this CD. We ain't recorded anyhow. 
Father, I thank you for this great group of people. I thank you for the destiny over the city. Listen to me, church. There's a big destiny. We got a big mission to accomplish. So, Father, I just thank you for the people of God here. I thank you for us hearing the call. I thank you for a spirit of awakening coming to us right now. I thank you that we are descending so that we can ascend. And Lord, I just thank you for the keys being given to us. I thank you just for everything, Lord. Lord, I just thank you. I pray increase our heart of passion for you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. We'll see you here Sunday morning.